Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. And we're back with an all-new Keep It. I'm Ira Madison III. I'm Aida Osman. Sorry, Oh, Lewis. my God. I wanted to go she, second this time. You really startled me. I'm coming threw for off you. my game and what I bring. <laughs> I'm Louis Fertal. Louis is wearing a polo, and it is buttoned up to the neck. So you really are on your game today. That's right. <laughs> it's very... I, I want to say traditionally Mormon. I don't know what my look is right now. It's very what what the the model at Zara on the mannequin looks like. They would never have an unbuttoned moment, you know. But oddly enough, they don't breathe, so it's okay for it to be buttoned up like that. You, I truly don't understand how you're surviving right now. You are so put together for not even nine a.m. yet. No, and we're we're filming early today too. So the sprinklers are going off, and we're sitting here talking about whatever, <laughs> Dancing with the Stars, which is part of my keep it. So stay tuned. Is it okay? Yeah, I'll avoid talking about it like I'd planned. <laughs> <laughs> but you're back, Aida. I'm back. I'm the streets like, missed you. They were talking too. I, I like when my absence is felt. And in my DMs, it was obvious my absence was felt. So maybe I need to be gone more to validate myself. I keep telling Lewis that. Yeah. <laughs> Let us validate you. Leave. Uh-huh. Disappear. Yeah. <laughs> You guys did great, though. I love listening to you when I'm not there. It's actually, it's fun. It's a little creepy, but it's very fun. Like peeking in. It's much different listening back to an episode than participating in it. Because mm-hmm. I have to, like, okay, come up with something that sounds like you're paying attention. You know, which is not always the case with, for instance, Ira. <laughs> but <laughs> listening back, I'm like, oh, three people chatting. I almost get this as a listener experience. <laughs> How's your Labor Days? Oh, I went to Palm Springs where it was literally 122 degrees. So the music video for Smooth by Santana is just constantly playing in my head during the swelter. (laughs) I I went back to Nebraska, so I'm really just bathing in Midwest melancholy, right? Like it's very bleak looking outside. And also uh, at a certain point, once you leave the Midwest and come back to the Midwest, you are immediately reminded how kind of trash you grew up. Like... (laughs) I went to, I had to go to Walmart to get my mom something and I was like looking at a cornfield while Shania Twain blasted from the speakers and someone chugged a bush light and I was like, yeah, welcome (laughs) home, welcome home. I do think that that counts as a party. Damn, damn, I feel like a Nebraskan. (laughs) (laughs) It is also sort of like dreary in Los Angeles right now. Mm. First, we, we had... A weekend of heat as well, not as hot as Palm Springs, but the AC is not working in my new place correctly. Oof. And no. I was just unpacking in in sweltering heat and it was it's a nightmare. And I'm re- like that recording in my living room now. I don't have a permanent spot yet. I'll figure it out. Though I will say, um, the murkiness of LA, like I can settle into a COVID era fall because like the isolation and the um somberness of fall are fitting. You mm-hmm. know, like I can I can work into that quote unquote mood to use a word I never want to hear again. <laughs> but I'm happy to be over the despair of dealing with it in the summer though. I think that will stick with me for the rest of my life, having to not do shit as it is so awesome outside. I mean it 
historically on this podcast, you know I'm a fan of summer. So, are you pro fall now? D- did I say that? Did I say that? Louis, <laughs> <laughs> were you ever adamantly anti fall? I don't like it as a concept outside of COVID, which is to say nothing about me needs a sweater that much. Picture this. Okay, picture girl. This skin against a sweater. You don't want to. Two years in a row, he's had a keep it to fall. And now this is the third year. You will enjoy, maybe, I don't know if you saw it, my tweet from yesterday, that September, October, November is the LMNLP of the year. It's kind of <laughs> ah, like rush yes. right through it, and I don't, I can't, there's no discernment for wow. those three states. Aida and oh, Cole Porter are duet. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we have an exciting episode today. We will be joined by Miss June Diane Raphael. Who is not a fan of this woman? I fucking love her. She's in everything. You're not a fan. You're going to learn. You're going to learn today and how hilarious she is. I'm so excited to talk to her. There are so many things to be a fan of hers from. Mm -hmm. One time I was on the set of Grace and Frankie because a a friend of mine knows I am obsessed with Jane Fonda. And this is years ago. (laughs) And I got to watch June Diane shoot a scene again and again. And she was just a total pro. Hilarious every time. Exciting to meet her. We also are going to talk about... um, Rachel Dolezal's latest pupil from her school for <laughs> from her school for gifted black impersonators. <laughs> her protege. When this news dropped over the past week, weekend, what every day is blended together, um, especially when you're moving and especially in the middle of a pandemic. But I just remember hearing this news and going. Huh? <laughs> and then, and then, like leave, leaving my phone and returning later and finding out. Oh wait, that was really something I read. <laughs> right? No, it, it has the, it has the feeling of a news story that you're too exhausted to read in the morning, and maybe you'll get to it later. But then, when you get to it at any other time, it also is exhausting. And I, and it was one of those ones that was zany right out the gate. Like nothing had to develop. Like it was just a here a gift package of wild information. <laughs> uh, anyway. We'll be right back with more Keep It. This week, we are getting our shit together. What does that mean? Each state has different voting options and deadlines ahead of Election Day. And things may have changed in the past few months or even weeks. The team at Vote Save America come through all 50 states to compile all the information about your different voting options, specific deadlines, and frequently asked questions. Everything from what to do if your vote by mail ballot doesn't show up to when you need to get registered by. Take some time today. Visit votesaveamerica.com states. Learn your state's voting options and deadlines and get your shit together. Now, I would ask you both what you consumed uh, this week in culture, but I know that you two watched the new Charlie Kaufman film, I'm Thinking of Ending Things, only because we all made plans to watch this film. (laughs) I was going to say, a little be known, it was a universal decision to watch it, but Ira has come up short. (laughs) I truly took three gummies last night because my body was aching from moving boxes and my general lower back pain as an adult uh and sat up you know on my little mattress because my bed frame is not here yet and um press play and passed 
Girl, that is understandable. Well, I have to tell you, it's an act of viewing because, well, like most of Charlie Kaufman's movies, the whole thing is you are frustrated throughout the entire thing. At first, it feels like two people are having a conversation that seems normal and then veers into nonsense, and you're waiting for them to have the five-minute conversation to solve it for you. And then it just spirals in a kind of like the movie Mother way, mm-hmm. where it's just it gets more frustrating and more confusing and you realize you have to wait to the end to even begin to solve it. So the entire thing is like a nervous-making, though pretty amusing experience. I don't know. It's a movie to me that's more fun to talk about than watch because the entire time you're so mad at how kooky it is. It is kookily annoying. It, yeah, it was too much. It was very difficult to get through. And speaking of Mother, the best performance in the movie is our beloved Tony Collette playing the mother Wonderful. I wish you had made it to that part because she really, they underutilized her. I wish that she had been in it much more. David Thewlis, of course, plays the father and he's wonderful and charming to watch as well. The two main characters are in this relationship. Uh, you could call it, at least they're trying to call it a relationship. And they're headed to visit the man's parents. And on their way there, they have a series of conversations that don't really lead anywhere and create a lot of questions but leave you very, very confused. I would honestly give this movie about two out of ten stars. One out of five. <laughs> Tried my best to make it through, but it was multiple times I had to pause, and I, I had too much anxiety to make it through fully to the end. And once I did make it to the end, I was uncomfortable and had less good-formed questions than I did answers to anything. Okay. The, the switcheroo in the movie is you basically think it's from her perspective, and then you start thinking about it, and then everything out of her mouth sounds like books he has read. And so it starts to contort in your mind and you realize, oh, it's another um, Charlie Kaufman male protagonist Mm -hmm. who kind of needs a lady to save him. And uh, uh, they explore the grimness of that. I mean, he's he's a master of this in certain ways. But my God, is this a frustrating viewing experience. Jesse Plemons, though, first of all, Still the only great part of game night. Don't believe gay people. Rachel McAdams did a fine job, not an extraordinary job. Okay? I remember game night fondly um, from the two plane trips that it took me to watch it. No, imagine watching it anywhere else. There are certain movies that are illegal to watch anywhere but a plane. I'm talking about me and Earl and the Dying Girl. I'm talking about you, girl. Um, also, Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, sure. Yes. Very good plane A movie. lovely performance and screenplay. Yeah. We must point out that the lead woman is this girl, Jessie Buckley, who, if you saw the movie Wild Rose last year, played like an out-of-control Scottish singer. Mm -hmm. And that was the movie that Mary Steenburgen was snubbed for writing a song for after she had a weird stroke that enabled her to write music. You'd need to just look that up if you forgot about that story. But uh, she's also in Judy as like her manager person. But she's really good and such an exciting actor. She's super capable with dialogue that would otherwise... It's like a jigsaw puzzle thrown in a thousand different directions. Yes, love love her. She has that perma smirk, this ability to constantly be smirking. And she, at one point, slips into this pristine transatlantic accent that really makes no sense at all in the dialogue. But it really is trying to get at something about art and the way all of our ideas might be repeated entirely from the things that we consume. And it's very Kaufman in that way. And it also reminds me that Kaufman is constantly exploring the male condition through relationships with women. And, I mean, we see that internal sunshine of the spotless mind. We see that in being John Malkovich. Like, there's definitely a pattern there. And this, I think, fits in that very Charlie Kaufman way of writing. Well, I feel like that's how straight men write. And then, (laughs) you know, there's the gay side of figuring out the gay man's condition through the relationship Mm -hmm. with women. 
like a Tennessee Williams play. Mm. Oh, sure, right. <laughs> Where it's like a a, a very tragic, um, severe monologue spewing woman at the helm, and we just adore her. I think that I have actually not enjoyed much Kaufman stuff once he started directing. Yeah, I was going to say, let Spike Jones do it, baby. You just keep <laughs> writing, please. I remember when uh, Synecdoche, New York came out, and I was mm-hmm. like, okay, <laughs> cool. That's a movie where it's like, it has such a specific feel. Before that, I don't know what movie I would have compared that to. Mm-hmm. So I am, I'm sympathetic to someone like Roger Ebert who declared it like the best movie of the decade. But also, I'm more sympathetic to everybody else who's just like, I don't fucking know about that movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I know Melissa. Oh, yes. Girl, he'd be loving puppets so much. Puppets <laughs> and getting cartoon things into real human action is like, that's what Kaufman <laughs> masturbates to every night. It's so alarming. And Amelisa was difficult to finish. Um, it reminds me also of, did you guys watch Adaptation? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, Adaptation. I want to see Adaptation 2 for this movie so I can understand how the fuck he wrote this. <laughs> it is based on a book. What's weird is that, like, even though we think of, you know, the, the spike era of Charlie Kaufman and then there's his I'm directing myself era. My favorite Kaufman is directed by Gondry. It's Eternal Sunshine, The Spotless Mind. Right. So it's weird that those, you know, don't fit into either era, you know? Mm. That one's like that one is firmly in the middle. That would have been a great supporting nom for yes. Kirsten Dunst. Yes. I feel like my job on this podcast is to remind you there are several times she should have been nominated, but lo and behold, the broken record is right again. So, oh, so is, is that Michelle Gondry's best film too? Besides all of Bjork's videos, but yes. <laughs> it's just all three of these people converge to make like maybe the best thing of their lives. Oh, that's possible. Right, Jim right, Carrey right. too. Sorry, Liar Liar fans. <laughs> <laughs> if Eternal Sunshine didn't exist, I would be very doubtful about Jim Carrey's dramatic chops because the majestic still looms large in my mind and it shouldn't what an abysmal movie if we yeah. didn't have if we <laughs> didn't have clementine we wouldn't have Billie eilish so really truly <laughs> she's done a lot of work she's done a lot of work I, i'm thinking now about how eternal sunshine of the spotless mind is it the apex for a lot of people not kate winslet She's done better, even though that's a perfect world. Well, little children, but it's at the top of her thing. It's at the top of her thing. Yeah. Um, Kirsten Dunst? No, right, totally. But, you know, I, th- I think that she's topped Eternal Sunshine. Oh, mm-hmm. I, The Beguiled. Yeah. Uh, there's several options. Marie Antoinette, what, Mel- Melancholia, yeah. Elijah Wood, Mark Ruffalo. You couldn't pay me to sit through a Lord of the Rings movie, so I can't comment on it. <laughs> oh. And those are Blanchette movies. You really have to do a lot of work to keep me away. So You don't like Lord of the Rings? Lewis, I would have thought you would have had a penchant for small little white men. <laughs> I would have thought. I would have thought maybe. I prefer them a little lankier, to be frank, but... Got you. Okay, okay. I got you. Um... Although my other favorite Gondry film is Green Hornet. Did you just say that? I like the Green Hornet, okay? It did what needed to be done. Which is a movie we never think about at all. I think (laughs) about it. If I were to tweet, who's thinking about the Green Hornet, I bet I would get a lot of responses. Do it. it That counts as a survey now? I mean, let's talk to to George Gallup about the fairness and legitimacy of a poll. Well, that's about all I've been consuming. It's just edibles right. and not yeah. actually films. Uh, I did watch a few episodes, R.I.P. of the Venture Brothers this weekend. Mm. That show's been on for seventeen years and has only aired and four se- seasons. Se- seven, <laughs> but 
wholly ridiculous, um, even for animation. Uh, and it was finally canceled this week. So I would say anybody who cares about that would list it among their favorite shows. Do you know what I fucking saw? <laughs> Speaking of Netflix, did you guys see? I brought this up almost last week and didn't get around to it. Did you see that Netflix Rubik's Cube documentary? called Speed Cubers. No, it's but 40 I, minutes long. No, Lewis, this was only recommended for you. I promise. Yeah. <laughs> I promise. Did I make it? Yeah. I, I opened up Netflix and it's like, here is 14 Kissing Booth movies. <laughs> Which I, oh, I, wa- I watched that shit. Oh, yeah? They're not good, but they're, they're very mm-hmm. entertaining. Sure. It's, it's truly baffling writing. That's just all I'll say. <laughs> so, guys, there's this thing called Speed Cubers about people who are amazing at the Rubik's Cube. And it's mainly about the friendship between the two people who hold all the records. And they're, like, really young. One's, like, a teenager and the other one's slightly older. He's, like, in his early 20s. It is a sneak attack of an emotional film. Girl, I do not fucking cry at movies. I'll tell you what oh I cried God. at. Room, Philadelphia, and now this shit. <laughs> I can't believe they got me. Okay, so isolation... AIDS and a children's game. <laughs> the intensity, yes. I, uh, uh, well, AIDS does get me. I yeah. unfortunately, AIDS has that thing about it. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then, secondly, her being reunited with her son on the other side. Mm-hmm. Please. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. And then a children's game. Okay. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just tracking. I'm just tracking. The, only, the only AIDS movie that makes me cry is Rent. <laughs> Which I was, by the way, I was just in Starbucks today, and they were playing uh, Today for You. Guys, what a banger! And also, yeah, the movie does make me cry too. But out of despair yeah it's truly i would call it one of christopher columbus's worst outings but there's those harry potter movies that he did Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) i don't know if this is after your guys's uh enjoyment in watching children's sitcoms but uh sister sister is on netflix and i have been watching it religiously especially now that uh, tia and tamara are kind of making a resurgence or at least tia is with her new books and things like that but speaking of r.i.p there's a delightful guest star role by Brittany murphy who was like 12 at the time Mm. and i mean this of course came out in 1998 1997 and i found myself so shocked to be laughing hysterically at every scene and it's very good writing it's really funny it reminds me that uh television when i was growing up still was very good as far as representation was concerned and i got to see two little black girls and their asian friends and latino friends and it was Mm -hmm. it's nice to go back it's nice to go back and look at that show and jack a Jack oh A God. is the funniest person to have ever walked this planet, and I will always stand by that. Also, specifically on Sister Sister, Jack A is doing a lot of walking with the raptor hands up, like <laughs> yeah. fancy. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So you got a lot of fancy, Jack A. And a cinched waist, a lot of gyrating hips. It's a lot of fun. Speaking of Brittany Murphy, side note, remember when I was like up in SF um, for those couple weeks or at the beginning of quarantine? Yeah. My friend who I was staying with, Mark loves watching like these unsolved mysteries or whatever shows. Like that's how he falls asleep. Mm. And so I was just sitting there with him watching uh, the Brittany Murphy unsolved mystery. <laughs> um, and I guess I had never really investigated or sat down with her death story. But it's really weird. Yeah. And the person she was with, like, then he ends up dying too. Of the same thing? It was like pneumonia or something? Yeah. Yeah. I was like really enraptured in the unsolved mystery of Brittany Murphy. All right. We'll get into that yeah, some that other time. Sounds so horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Are you watching anything else? No, I'm not watching anything else. I'm, I'm moving boxes. I feel like I've watched nothing besides those Kissing Booth movies and 
I don't know, Real Housewives, Adventure Brothers. Oh, I saw Mulan. I saw Mulan. How did that go? A good reunion with Gong Li for me. Um, (laughs) And there's a wonderful cameo that, if you can't guess what the cameo is, I mean, first thought, who do you think it is? She's in it. (laughs) I will watch Mulan, um, and we can reconvene about Mulan. I promise I will not pass out while watching it. So we could you get we, this one skip. We could discuss yeah. next week. Very good. If anyone at Crooked is listening to this, please send us thirty dollars because I'm not paying to watch that movie. <laughs> <laughs> we don't email here at Crooked. I think John Favreau <laughs> will do it for you. I'm sure Tommy Vito is surely listening. <laughs> that me, Ven- Venmo, Zell, anybody, John Lovett. You know what? I think Aaron Gloria Ryan's going to do it for me. That's who my <laughs> star is. I don't know why. I just feel it. No one is going to Venmo me. And watch the movie. Oh no, you're out in the cold. You could subscribe to Disney Minus, bitch. No. <laughs> <laughs> and oh then they just have this weird 80s animated Mulan series that they made and probably couldn't air. What's that a reference to? Sounds like something Disney would do. Yeah. Oh, I see. Something racist it. in a vault somewhere. In the vault? Collecting <laughs> dust in a vault. Uh, all right, when we're back, we'll be joined by June, Diane Raphael. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Shop chef-quality pots and pans at madeincookware.com. Our guest today is one of the funniest ladies on TV. She is also a screenwriter, author, co-founder of The Jane Club, a co-working space and community for women in L.A. Please welcome June Diane Raphael. And of course, I know you from all of these things, but I also know you from like two of my favorite podcasts, uh, How Did This Get Made and Bitch Sesh. And we've never been on together. I know. I can't believe I'm known... From podcasts and podcasts alone, that's hurtful. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. <laughs> that hurts my feelings. Um, we know you from so many things that we see, like, <laughs> from acting, from writing. Um, appreciate that, Ira. But this- I, yes, I, I mean, I guess I have a face for radio after all. <laughs> but, but at the same time, like, now, it's unfortunate that you now obviously have seasons and seasons of Grace and Frankie. Because mm-hmm. when people recognize you from a podcast, it means they've put in the the homework to learn what you look like. So in a way, it's extra flattering. It is such an interesting experience to know someone only through podcasts Mm -hmm. and then to see them in person because it's one of these odd mediums where you're literally in people's heads (laughs) and (laughs) you could not get closer to them. And then that moment of seeing who they are and what they look like is so shocking. And I do feel like people are pleasantly surprised when they see me. I'm going to say that. <laughs> I think they're pleasantly surprised. <laughs> I do think I exceed expectations there, um, which is a nice feeling. But yes, I podcasts are, you know, I, it's really the new one-person show, one-woman show, one-man show. It's like everybody's mm-hmm. got them. People have multiple podcasts now. Yeah. Um, I remember when we were starting How Did This Get Made – 
which has been, I, I don't even remember. I can't. It's like a decade almost, I mean, right? It's almost yeah. a decade, Ira. It's, it's so, that's so embarrassing. But we would have to explain to people what a podcast was, where to <laughs> wow. get it. So, yeah. At that point, were you just doing videos and uploading them to YouTube? Or what was the platform well, pretty that you were much. using? I mean, Paul, Paul Shear, um is... He is on the pulse of things in a way that I am not. And so he was, I think maybe Comedy Bang Bang had a podcast then, but that was the only other podcast we knew of. Um, and people would ask us, dear friends, like, where do I, what what channel is it on? <laughs> you know, so How doth one hear it? Is it on after the news? Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. There was such a big learning curve at that point. Um, and in the beginning of the pandemic, I mean, I was laughing with Casey because her and Paul Shear, like on day one of staying at home, had lights arriving and recording equipment. <laughs> like, wow, wow. <laughs> the two of them within hours had set up like professional Twitch studios and all mm-hmm. sorts of things at home um, while we were all still just getting our bearings. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, speaking of how did this get made, though, after all the amount of time you've spent talking about this, I don't want to say kind of movie, but uh, I, I guess maybe genre of movie, how do you have any appetite for it whatsoever? Like, do the ideas of movies in general just infuriate you now? Like, they've let you down so many times. I think they do, and I don't enjoy doing the podcast. Let me be very clear. <laughs> I am there. Without, they do not have my consent. I mean, I'm there under duress. I do not like it. Um, I think the one thing that's helped me is I, I know people with if they're fans of the podcast, I always say I forget the movies immediately, and they think I'm joking, but I I'm really not. Like I'm not keeping the movies in my head anywhere. Like they, okay. I watch mm-hmm. them, I have the experience of talking about them, and they're gone. Mm-hmm. They are gone, girl. They are so <laughs> I have no reference point. They they don't take up any capacity for me. So I will say they don't stay with me. But it's true. I think they have. It's like when you enjoy running and then you do a marathon and then you'll never run again. It's the same thing. Like I don't. It's definitely destroyed my love of movies. Yeah, it has. It has. Thank you for just confirming that. <laughs> yeah, yes. instead of being like, actually, I've come in with a new autoristic understanding no, of no, movies no, no, or whatever. I I do remember though you defending um, Grease Two, which I will to the end. Of I will days. always appreciate yeah. that because that movie is Thank a classic. You, it, thank you so much. It is, and it's a better movie. Um, it was a more important movie for me to see as a, a young prepubescent girl. It was a. It's a better. I, I really enjoy it, and I really enjoyed Michelle Pfeiffer in it. To me, that is still in my mind. Like that's like her style in that movie, what she looks like in that movie. It is a beauty standard that I can't let go of. It's where I'm always trying to get. And I, I mean, you against Paul Shear and Jason Manzukis is the funniest triad to me. And, and it always delights me that, is of it? course, yes, yes, you're very funny in Grace and Frankie, of course. And you're very, you're Thank the you. first time I saw you in New Girl. But then to hear you on the podcast and go, oh, she's funny off script as well, that's not fair. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot for people to handle. Yeah. It is. It's a lot. <laughs> And I get that it makes people angry. I understand. Yeah. I understand it all. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's such a weird phenomenon. I don't know what it is. I re- I remain confounded by the podcast, disturbed, 
uncomfortable. I really don't understand it. I think, I mean, I'm sure you all feel this way too, but so much of the conversation is just um, between friends. And then Mm -hmm. when people connect to it so much, it's just an interesting experience. And I'm always surprised when we do the live shows, which I don't know if we'll ever, well, we'll do them, I think digitally, we'll have a show at some Mm -hmm. point. But we went on tour last summer with the podcast and it was shocking to see like the demo of who listens to it mm-hmm. i mean there were this there's like the sweaty comedy guys <laughs> and i'm i'm prepared for them and i love them but that i'm not never surprised about and there's just the the odd film geeks but but then there's a lot of other different people mm-hmm. and i could never quite pin down the audience because we would have like bachelorette parties coming to see the show (laughs) in the front row and then like elderly couples and Mm -hmm. I just couldn't it's really um I think the the thing that runs through it is like most people watch movies Mm -hmm. right you know what I mean and I mean not me I don't like them anymore (laughs) I don't like motion pictures (laughs) but um and most people like talking about movies they've seen Mm -hmm. so Turns out it's been a really great thing. The first time I listened to that podcast, you talked about the movie Street Fighter. And (laughs) I was getting really into like Paul Shear's comments about it, whatever. And then you brought up, you're like, guys, what is a Street Fighter? I still got a good answer. And I still can't explain it. Like I'm such a, I'm a huge fan of uh, oh, Raul, yeah. Julia, and Kylie Minogue were both in that movie. But literally, and, and the video game, which I grew up with. But you literally planted a chip that day that I will never get rid of. I don't know what the thing is I like. I don't know what it is. We'll never know. <laughs> I also do love that movie a lot. And I It has some moments. I wish I could remember it. You See? Know? She's not lying. I, I'm no. not lying. I wish I, I could I had anything. I just have nostalgia for the um concept of a video game where people were in different streets yeah. with, with crowds watching them professionally fight, I guess. Yeah. Uh, right. Did they make money? Who knows? Yeah, right. <laughs> But speaking of, like, the demos and stuff, too, that is, I think I'm always most shocked. Well, one, when a friend that I know is like, we listen to Keep It. I'm like, okay, you know me. That's weird that you listen to me talk. It feel very, yes. But then when they say, my mom, like, really enjoys the show. And I'm like, please tell me about your, like, mom. They're like, oh, yeah, you know, she's just this, like, seven-year-old woman, like, living in Kansas City or something. I'm like, okay. why is she listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's so interesting. I because I feel the same way. I don't understand that at all. But I think it's it's one of the great things about podcasts is because you're kind of getting you're listening into a conversation, especially with you all, where there's so much chemistry and you're you're it doesn't really matter what you're talking about. It's mm-hmm. just like they're there for what's in between it all. Um you feel more connected mm-hmm. to the podcasts you listen to than you do in some ways to like the TV shows and movies because those people feel at such a distance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's a very weird medium and and um, it is one that I like, unlike movies. I do like podcasts. <laughs> I do like listening to podcasts. What else do you listen to and what kinds? 
What kinds? Yeah, because now it's like, you know, I'm like, people listen to podcasts. I'm like, there's people who are like, listen to this. or like, how did this get made, right? But then there are only people who listen to like right. a serial or like a slow burn. It's like they need like a narrative podcast. Right, right. I actually like, I don't, I can't do any crime because mm. I just feel sad for the victims and I get worried. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Empathy, I, tell me more. Yeah. <laughs> People die. And, and we're making um, jokes about a serial killer. And we're making, yes. And we're making jokes and diving into like the, the killer's psychology in a way that is, you know, even though I understand the, the instinct to try to understand it, I'm also like, just by the sheer amount of airtime they're getting, mm-hmm. they're really not treating the victims appropriately in my mind. And I have a hard time with that. And also, it's like mostly women are, are killed. Mm-hmm. You know, so it, there there's something always very strange to me about like the fascination of like listening to um, detailed stories yeah. about women being killed. It's yeah. like giving baby killers the cheat codes. Totally. Like, I'm like, mm, I'm already worried about like being the victim of a violent crime. Like this isn't a good space mm-hmm. for me. Um, and then comedy podcasts, I don't really listen to um, because when other people are funny, uh, I get jealous and <laughs> I get angry. And so, and I doubt myself. So I like, it's not a, a really a good space to me, for me. So I am more like, I <laughs> this is the truth. I get, when I see someone's performance, like I had to, when I saw Fleabag, I was like, okay, I need to get to my therapist immediately. (laughs) I'll make the appointment and probably won't go, but I'm so obsessed with this performance and I'm so um, disappointed in myself. (laughs) Equal parts. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm just... No, I feel uh, the same thing. If I'm listening to a podcast and they're all like funny and particularly talking about something I care about, I'm like, no, but I'm funny and like talking about that. You missed up. (laughs) What's going on here? Yeah. Right. And um, so I wish I could have more generosity of spirit there but and enjoy those things. But I just – I turn that inward pretty quickly. And then – so I really will listen to a lot of like politics <laughs> and news. Mm-hmm. Here's something strange. Science. Like that <laughs> stuff. And I also do listen to a lot of podcasts on like how I built this. All mm-hmm. of that fair I'm curious about the unironic um, asking of how did this get made yeah yes <laughs> yes exactly I don't really do at one point in my life I was like I was listening to like Krista Tippett and Super Soul Sunday and I fell off it mm-hmm. yeah I fell off it I'm not sure what happened too cheaper um, too much too too happy yeah <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad because Oprah and her Super Soul are constantly we're on the same <laughs> chart on Apple and it was just constantly right? like when a new episode oh. would drop, it'd be like right below three episodes of Super Soul Sunday. It's like, why do you need to release three this week, Oprah? Right. <laughs> and I love her, but it's just, a, a, I think there's a time and a space for her, but it's not right now. And it's not for me. No one needs a new car. <laughs> exactly. But then do you miss formal acting? Because th- th- this always baffles me when somebody has like a podcast personality and then they're a professional actor too. Yeah. Because I, th- in my mind, those two things don't cohere. Like you can't have lots of opinions and then also be you know, the deferential inside the actor studio person <laughs> who's like, and I was so inspired by blankety blank when I worked with them or whatever. Right. But 
Um, what do you miss that? Like, do you miss working on a set, you know, during this time? Very much so. Very much so. I did just shoot Nailed It mm. um, last week. So I did that and it was, you know, odd to see all of the COVID parameters in place. But it, it was actually great. I, I miss it so much. Mm-hmm. I miss it so much. I feel like Paul and I are just like dropping into a lot of bits and characters these days and and doing scene work with each other because we are um <laughs> it's really sad but i i really <laughs> miss, i really miss it i don't know i always think it's weird when people talk about acting but ugh, but i'm being asked about it so i'll talk about it i love it so much i mean there's just nothing better and it's such an outlet that i feel i definitely feel like a little pent up i feel like i'm bringing too much energy right now um i'll give myself notes on on the way home. Home, but I, I, I just, yeah, I'm feeling totally creatively stifled. Mm. If it makes you feel any better, this amount of energy you're bringing, especially early, for me, it's early, is exciting and inspiring. So continue to really? do Really? So. Yes, continue okay. to do so. Continue it's funny because so. without engaging with people all the time, I am feeling a little rusty in social interactions. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like I... I had a phone call with a mom from one of my son's schools and I was like, oh, I, I'm I'm doing jokes and she thinks I'm not. And then I was being serious and she was like, that's a joke. That's really funny. And I was like, no, no, no. I was serious about that part. Like I could I could not land a moment with her. And I was like, oh my God, I've lost my like social elixir. You know what I mean? Like I, I need some like lubricant here. Now um we've both been bitch sus regulars. Are you keeping up with Bravo in the midst of this pandemic. Is it so fun to watch? I have been. Not I'm not as up to date as I should be. But something's changed for me. Mm-hmm. I will say. <laughs> Something the there's an aftertaste that I don't love now. Yeah. There are bursts of joy and energy. Like I love watching Leah. I'm behind on Potomac, which I mm. hear is Potomac like, is fantastic this season. It's so funny. This recent one, Sundays, I watched twice because it's just it's, wow. it's it's just really funny. This one feels like classic, unencumbered by like the outside <sighs> world. Great. I mean, watching Real Housewives of New York this season was just very dark because yes, one, it's just like we're fully accepting that Ramona is taking people to Trump fundraisers on the show. Yes, it's dark to watch. Absolutely, yeah. it's hard. It's hard to watch. Watching Dorinda has been, like, devastating. Mm-hmm. Someone battling, like, real, like, alcohol issues on TV, but not wanting to accept it. Like, it seems, in retrospect, funny that someone like Luann could go through rehab and be arrested and still be a very funny, delusional reality TV show character. Right, exactly. So it's just been, and Dorinda, I mean, I think I've said this on Bitch Sesh, but she, there's something so uh, recognizable. I feel like I know Dorinda. I feel Mm -hmm. like um, she is uh, familial. She is someone, she's one of my mom's friends. Mm -hmm. Someone who's been in my childhood home. Like, I just (laughs) know this person in my bones. Mm -hmm. She's, like, driven me to soccer practice before. (laughs) And so watching her her go through this has been really tough um, because I I want so much more for her. Mm -hmm. And I think ultimately her limitations became really clear this season. But yeah, so it just hasn't been at a time where 
as the election approaches, mm-hmm. I think the what we need to feel from these people is just different. And I have I felt pretty hollow watching the Housewives of late. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited to get back on Potomac. Because it's funny. I'll tell you what's Oh my God. That's what I I wanna laugh. I don't wanna feel as bummed out as I've been feeling. Mm-hmm. And um I, but I will tell you the strange side trip I've taken since the pandemic started has been with 90 Day Fiance. Okay, I keep oh. hearing about that. Casey has told me multiple times to watch it. Um, I think I finally will dive in. It's great. Okay. It's just great. And it's right now just what the doctor ordered. Oh, that's good to hear. I don't know yeah. why. It's great. It's just <laughs> what the doctor ordered. It's just character after character. You know, again, to be able to, as an actor, to be able to watch <laughs> these people, like, living out loud in such a way is, <laughs> it's just. <laughs> living out loud, was that the the uh, uh, slogan for, like, what what cable network or something? Am I wrong? Oh, my I God. I, yes, oh. I think you're right. It wasn't, it was like, t- it sounds like a TBS. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Like, like characters welcome characters sort of situation. <laughs> I still, my mind returns to characters welcome so often because I'm like, what? does that like <laughs> characters are we as the audience characters are the characters that are welcome <laughs> to be on TBS the people who are on the shows <laughs> right these these TV shows have characters. That's what you should like, know. Well, but they yeah. all do. Yeah. The most sinister one for me was always CBS. Welcome home. Oh, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> Whose was I remember? <laughs> was it NBC that was like we know we know funny? Yes, I remember and that like, well. Yeah. we know drama or FX is like we got movies or something that is just like Arby's. Like we have meats. Like you're giving me so little information right. about what is. <laughs> going on. (laughs) Welcome home. Ew. No, thank you. Less moon vest. Arms outstretched. (laughs) Julie Chen moon vest welcoming everyone home. (laughs) Right. Now, are they still together? What's... They are. They are. are. She is hosting Big Brother currently this season, um, and she's still doing her... um, Hi, I'm Julie Chen moon vest. Welcome to Big Brother. There's a but she didn't say before. So yeah, now she's added that. She added the moon vest after the less story started coming out, and there's a different accent in solidarity. She accents Correct. a different part of moon vest. I feel like every week. <laughs> Julie moon Chen, vest. yes, Julie Chen, moon, moon vest. vest. <laughs> and our Twitter handle wow. now added the moon vest to it. The handle. Wow. Tough, That's tough. quite a move. It's quite a double down. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Has she said anything? Or we're just, this is the only the only statement we have is the addition of a new name. She does add occasionally little bizarre tags to episodes of Big Brother. Like recently she said, uh, and remember the golden rule, treat others as you would like to be treated. Like she's Aesop. <laughs> it's super crazy. <laughs> That's chilling. Yeah, so stay tuned. Who's to say? CBS, stay tuned. <laughs> uh, thank you for being here, Jude. Uh, this is fantastic. I'm happy to be here. I'm so impressed, Ira, because I know you just moved. You seem completely settled in in that background behind you. Um, books are up. I was. I, I see a poster. The books are really just because I was like, I was like, this is an easy task of things to put away in the living room, and of yeah. course, there are other boxes just around here. Um, and a friend was like, "You still unpacking?" And I was like, "Well, I did the bookshelf <laughs> first, and of course, I went for aesthetics first rather than I don't even know where my silverware is, so I've been ordering." 
bring out still. <laughs> we when we moved, we moved to a new house in September, and I I won't say this person's name, but we hired a like or- organizer to do the move. Mm-hmm. And please know. I mean, I, I, I'm going to say things that aren't relatable anyway, so why do I even care? I'm, I'm not relatable. Um, <laughs> I am completely unrelatable. So we hired an organizer, and Paul and I were both working, and I was traveling at the time the move was happening. And so we were like, oh, there's, no, there's physically no other way for us to do this. And also, I don't want to. So their, their whole job was like, we're going to pack up your home – we will bring that home, every all of its contents to the new house. We will unpack and organize. So to me, that was a great pitch, like to walk <laughs> into a home that's completely organized. The decisions these people made <laughs> so wild. You must have felt like you were on trading spaces. Oh, it was. There was a... Um, a Halloween like plastic jack-o'-lantern full of candy at, it was somewhere in the old house. When we walked into the new house, again, expecting to see everything in its place, um, completely organized, they stuffed things into closets <laughs> like sardines, first of all. Like, we would open up a closet and shit would just like fall out. We were like, what? And then we walked into... I mean, I took the big bedroom closet that we built, and Paul pretty much has like a shoe closet for all of his things. But when we walked into, of course, of (laughs) course, when we walked into Paul's closet, they had taken that jack o' lantern, plastic jack o' lantern (laughs) Halloween decoration with a ton of candy in it and had placed it like at eye level on his shelf. (laughs) They would prefer you be haunted by your own. Oh my God. It was so strange. And then the other choices. So I'm not on this is I'm not on the pill. Just so everyone knows and everyone can feel. I know you like to ask every guest that. So just know that. I, I, I should have started with that. I am Lewis asked Jane Fonda that when she was on. Right, right. <laughs> Ma'am. But um, but I have birth control because I was on it at one point, mm-hmm. and they had taken the birth control, which again I don't even know where they found it because it <laughs> had been like tucked away in some toiletry bag that I never opened. They had taken the birth control and had placed it on the bedside table, <laughs> like sweetie, <laughs> forgot something. <laughs> exactly. Forget. You only have two bedrooms here. Um, There were just so many strange choices. And Paul is such a neat freak and was so disturbed. So anyway, I I don't know if you had anyone help with this. But looking back in retrospect, we should have just done the move ourselves. Yeah, I had movers. But, you know, all of this is just uh, they helped me pack some things. And but now I can't find my silverware. So. I lost. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this was wonderful. Thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. Thank Such you for a having pleasure, me. Thank you, Thank yeah. you so much. What a pleasure. The Jane Club is a curated community platform that takes care of the women who take care of everything else. Become a connected Jane for community gatherings and social connection that is educational, inspirational, and transformative. Keep It listeners can use code insiderjaneff 
for $10 off their first month at janeclub.com. As a chef and a restaurant owner, I'm as meticulous about my cookware as I am about my ingredients. That's why I love Made In Cookware. Each pan they make isn't just designed to perform, it's crafted to last. As a mom, I love that I can trust Made In. It's made from the world's finest materials, so I can feel good about what I'm feeding my family. I'm Chef Brooke Williamson, and I use Made In Cookware. Last week on Medium, a woman asked that we all cancel her. She said, hey, gods, turn your canceling eyes on me. And this woman is Jessica Krug, a George Washington University professor who was masquerading as a black woman, much like Rachel Dolezal, who I believe we discussed eons ago. And keep it. Though in that case, Rachel Dolezal had really convinced herself she was a black woman, right? Yes. Whereas this woman is intentionally choosing between different types of black women she could possibly be. Because <laughs> her, car- her career in blackness shifted over time. Yes. Much like Fergie. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Fergie. In what way? Well, she's just been getting a lot of slander this week. We talked about, like, versus, the thing that pits, like, different R&B and hip-hop artists against each other. Correct. Um, the Timbaland and Swiss Beats created. There have been um, fan ones online where people are, like, asking you to think about matchups. And one said Fergie versus Pink. Uh, and I said, that's not fair to Miss Fergie because Pink would obliterate her. Uh, ver- just hit to hit for decades. Can I, I, I have actually a comment about that. Pink is a phenomenal vocalist. I almost am not confident about saying Fergie is a great or bad vocalist. I mean, I remember the Star Spangled Banner she did, <laughs> but she can sing pretty well, right? I mean, it, you're right. There's no use putting her up against Pink. Though. I mean, be Italian from nine. Right. I'm still waiting for Pink's like glorious cinematic debut, so she does have that in her corner. Mm, fair. But anyway... Jessica, a professor of African history and culture, by the way. They always are. (laughs) This was a peculiar story that I feel like Aida was like, I am not partaking in this. So she ran away. She took her bindle and walked out. (laughs) Yes, this is a woman who, unlike the Rachel Dolezal situation, has not seemed to convince herself that she's black. She she isn't still like tearily like coming up with like excuses for like how she deserves to be seen as black, right? This woman is basically just been shape-shifting all over the place. She has claimed that she was North African. She's claimed that she was black born in the US. She's claimed that she was Caribbean rooted, black from the Bronx. Like this this woman like had a different story each time, which makes it so much wilder and was also just easier to ignore, I feel like, because this woman is a full scamtress. We know she is. Mm -hmm. She admitted she is. There's really no debate. It's just the attention that she wanted that she's gotten. Well, on the one hand, I guess she should apologize. There's something about writing a long, long apology on Medium that makes me think, this is another way for you to make a weird situation all about yourself Mm -hmm. and make us talk about you. 
but by God, she did it. We didn't know her. Um, no one was thinking about her. It is just very weird to think about someone who, first of all, does not look black <laughs> in, in oh, any right. photo. In- interestingly enough, yeah. <laughs> um, like, I, I don't even know how people were buying it. But um, just the fact that we weren't thinking about it, and it's a weird story where it's like there's she's not even asking people to defend her. It's just I did this awful thing. Oh well, you know, and it feels so brazen, but also so very 2020, right? It also reminds me of my main problem with Mulan, which is this is clearly a ravishing woman, and I can't believe anybody was fooled even for a second. Like I wish her the the sexy paramour was like. By the way, are you by chance? A ravishing woman. Like, I just like, wish and just asked on our behalf because she looks continuously fierce throughout the movie. It's a hard masquerade for her to pull off. I don't see her in Twelfth Night anytime soon. I can't wait to watch Mulan now. Did they discuss those kind of movies in the doc that we watched? Um, oh, Disclosure? Yeah. Oh. Did they discuss those? Because those are always so interesting to me, too. The idea of like... Um, She's the man, which is doing Twelfth Night, right? And it, it, it always has, like, a woman, like, dra- I guess they did talk about it because they talked about um, some kind of wonderful a bit. And they talked about the other movie where, like, a woman was, like, they dress up like a man. It's very Twelfth Night. And it's, there's always a man falling in love with them. Right. But there's never the part where they're, like, I think you're a woman. Yeah. That's why I'm falling in love with you, right? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> right, right, right. No, it, it's the the main um, flaw of Victor Victoria is there's never any real moment where he has to confront that he's fallen in love with a man or something. It it, it becomes like a, a blander movie for that mm-hmm. reason. What I really need is one of those movies is where the guy falls in love with her, and then she's like, "Oh no, I'm a woman," uh, and then he's like, "Oh well, I think I just realized I'm gay, actually." So. i am into men the fact that you were masquerading as one does nothing to help the fact that i am attracted to men he turns to camera says well i'm gay and it freezes (laughs) credits james l brooks yeah (laughs) uh the only way to top the some like it hot um nobody's perfect line (laughs) yes yes yes. well i'm gay Oh wow! This is a much better discussion. I know than about some white woman pretending to be black again. I liked Roxanne's tweet. Roxanne Gay tweeted that um, the apology is BS, and obviously the self-flagellation is absurd and a performance, as we said. But it's also just like none of this feels genuine or interesting. Also, did she have this essay just ready to go? It feels so like she was waiting for her moment, and now she's striking. Also, of course, she says. You should absolutely cancel me, and I absolutely cancel myself. Can you please, please pry yourself away from this boring-ass Bill Maher fucking language? <laughs> I cancel myself. Wake up. And what does that mean? You're going to go, you're not going to have a job now? Like, that has no actual definition other than you being like, here I am, Jesus Christ. It would also involve some sort of notoriety to be taken away from her. Like, we, we we don't know who you are, girl. <laughs> right. You, you Again, we can't cancel you if you were never scheduled. Yes. The train wasn't running. <laughs> Good luck booking that stage you speak of. <laughs> that Finally, we have a, a practical use for that quote. I was so sick of just quoting it blind. Yeah. Uh, the educational heft it gives us. 
really did enjoy the jokes about it, though. It was a very funny um, day of jokes online. It's the kind of story like the Felicity Huffman, Lori Laughlin situation where we just want a funny story to make fun of. We're just hanging out online. Twitter's a big lunch table. I want something to scream about. I want to throw my milk carton at my friend. And this gives you a nice reason to get up in arms. But by the way, we did we not talk about how Lori Laughlin got basically no jail, jail time after all of that build up of how she really fucked up Felicity <laughs> Hoffman? Yeah, she like she got a couple months. Felicity did everything by the book except for the crime, of course. But you know, she dealt with it very quickly. Everyone was like, "Well, Felicity is dealing with this how you should." She's contrite, you know, like she wants to pay her debt. And then when she went to prison and then was released, we were sort of like, "I mean, that's what we expected, right?" But mm-hmm. Lori just paid for her to just skirt around for like a year or so being unhelpful with the police um, and the investigation and then also getting no jail time. Right, and not taking whatever plea she was supposed to take. And she's got that husband with with now the most sinister name I can think of, Massimo. I'll never wear those pants again. <laughs> My favorite ballad from A Star is Born. At, yeah. Honestly, I did used to wear Massimo jeans. Oh, really? Yeah, the ones that were at Target. There's a big variety of fashion um, that in the past when um, I was like broke and like a barista and like um like having like internships or so many job interviews like back to back and stuff like when i lived in new york um so many pieces of fashion that were very easy to get um so it's like if i needed a new pair of jeans i could hit up target and get these Mossimo jeans for like 19 dollars. sure yeah so i was a Mossimo jean person wow so okay so you are complicit is what you're saying i funded her legal fees in a way i feel the same way yeah no <laughs> i was blame has to go somewhere and i'm so happy it belongs to the blamestress herself ira <laughs> i guess that's all we need to say about this woman uh i will actually say that though there there was one response from like the root and some other places just about how like um we're supposed to be mad at this woman, um, but we, we feel empathy for her because she's sad. She'll never be able to be black, whatever. Um, and it was like being shady about her, but also doing that thing that a lot, I think that like a lot of black men did after Rachel Dolezal, where it was like making excuses for her and being like, this woman is going through like some psychological breakdown or whatever. Sure, whatever. But I'm also like, it's usually the people who do this like end up being white women. We, we haven't really experienced a case where a man is pretending to be black. Unless you read the Sean King conspiracies, which I have no, <laughs> I have no comment on right now. Uh, <laughs> but, um, you know, it's always women. You know, it's always a white woman pretending to be black. And then in the case of this Jessica woman was like rude to other black women in academia. And also like comments from her former students like would grade them harshly on like not knowing black history as much as her and stuff like that. So I'm like, it's always a white woman who's being very damaging. And, you know, I just hate it when men try to give women like that a pass, you know, because the victims always end up being black women. Like we don't know, like we're making jokes about her. We don't know her, but like, it seems like at her school, like she like terrorized real black women on campus. Right, right. That is interesting, though, because the trend I think you're speaking about is that on Instagram, for example, you'll find out that some influencer who's, like, doing certain things to her skin ends up being a white woman, and it really is not a male thing. I wonder why that is, why it's specific to this uh, 
I'll call it a trend is specific to women. I mean, it's called black fishing. And I think it was is first coined by uh, Juana Thompson, black female journalist, um, to describe that idea of like trying to be a black woman. And we see that on Instagram and stuff. But I think it's just part of how, you know, like culture borrows from black women all the time. It's easier to pretend to be one in that realm just because of how you're also selling yourself. I think you also rarely see white men doing that because it's easier to be like a Justin Timberlake or, you know, that um, that one white Kappa um, who was constantly like popping up doing like dances with his fraternity and stuff, you know. And so oh, it's, yeah, like, right. it's easier if you're a man to just sort of exist in that space without having to change your appearance, right? Because, like, a Justin Timberlake will be allowed to operate in the space as a white man who's borrowing from black culture um, but then can go back to being white, right? You know, and I think for women, sometimes it's harder to be in that space unless you become, like, a Kardashian or something. So they take on the persona of being a black woman. You got me thinking about Man of the Woods again. My God. I'm sorry. sorry. No one wants to think about that. Take the podcast this way. No one wants to think about that. And also, if we're talking about white women who are culture vultures, nobody has done it better ever than Gwen Stefani. Oh, sure. Name a culture. Everyone should have retired. Truly, it is the third grade um, assignment that we always got as kids where it's like, pick what country you're from and do a report on it. And I feel like Gwen Stefani listened to every report in her third grade class and was like, I'm going to be that someday. <laughs> she has her Chola era. She has like right. fully hip hop era, the Harajuku era. Like I feel the like Native she, American situation. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That looking hot video looking from, hot. from no doubt mm-hmm. that was removed <laughs> because that was fully like 2012. Twelve too, where it's like well after the fact. It's like, yes. girl, give it up. <laughs> when she says in Harajuku, girls, just wait till you get your little hands on LAMP. The nerve, because it's super kawaii. That means super cute in Japanese. <laughs> Thank you, Google Translate. Thank you. Which is wild because her best persona was as a white woman, though, when she basically is like an Italian woman in um. The original Call Me By Your Name, the cool video. Right. No, which should be taught in gay schools. When she has the brunette wig on and is basically Uh, being this, like, European woman, that's her best culture vulturing. Stealing from white culture. She uh, also in that video looks like, not Jennifer Garner, but somebody else. It's weird when somebody who was not an actor suddenly looks like an A-lister. Like, not that she wasn't in the movie The Aviator, but I'm saying maybe there was another path for her in there. That's one of my favorite Scorsese um, Directed sequences. Oh, where she plays Jean Harlow. When she and Leo are getting out of the limo at the premiere and the light bulbs are flashing and they're stepping over the um, broken glass. Perfect scene in a movie. Yes. I think she only has one line and it's like, take a bow or something, which makes me think they cut cut her out a lot. But who's to say? I don't know how you don't watch that movie and sort of love Scorsese, but I love him more for the like campy, um, films that like appeal to like women and gay men, you know, and so like you get, of course, there's the departed and like the taxi drivers, but I'm like, give me Kate Blanchett throwing off her coat in the aviator, right? Fabulous Ellen Burstyn and Alice doesn't live here anymore, or um, uh, Sandra Bernhard and the King of Comedy, right? Give me Michelle Pfeiffer 
heaving her bosoms in a corset in the age of innocence which a movie that is basically the walking on broken glass video by annie lennox feature length (laughs) (laughs) i truly love that movie but it is so interesting seeing him do a movie that feels so restricted um but also feels so queer also it is by a woman which i think is a pretty rare scorsese movie inspo miss edith wharton herself the better sister Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. ethan from forever all right. Hope you loved our conversation <laughs> about Jessica Cruz. Um, from Jessica Krug to Edith Wharton, that's what you get from us um, when Aida's gone. <laughs> and also, I realized <laughs> I was totally thinking of Edith Wharton as one of the Brontes <laughs> when I was like the better sister. Oh, right. <laughs> Wrong. I was like, she's not Emily or Charlotte. Sorry. <laughs> But the age of innocence is better than Wuthering Heights. I'm on the fence about that, but okay. I just love throwing out takes and then seeing how people respond to them. Very good, very good. All right, when we're back, keep it. And we're back with our favorite segment of the episode. It is Keep It. Y'all keep it. Ayeta, you start. Okay. My keep it this week goes to a little app by the name of Letterboxd. I don't know if you boys are familiar. I am. I'm always told to join it, but it feels very time consuming. It is time consuming because I joined Letterboxd and was like, okay, I'm going to update it with movies that I've been watching during quarantine, right? Mm -hmm. But then once you're on it, you start to, like, there's also other movies that pop up. It's like, have you seen Scream 2? You know, have you seen Bridges in Madison County? What, whatever. Yeah. These are just the movies and- popping up in my head. And so you click that you've seen them, but then, like, you feel like, well, are people going to think these are the only movies I've seen? So now you have to go <laughs> and find other movies and add them. But then you want to add them to a list. And then you don't want to rate them because then it's like, I always hated rating movies, especially mm-hmm. even in high school with like newspapers. Like that was when I felt like I first started doing it. And then like you have to give them a grade or points or whatever. And I would rather write a essay or something about a film or television show, which is why I got into doing that over writing reviews mm-hmm. because I don't like being brought back to like, oh, remember when you gave this movie two stars, right? <laughs> and then you're like, okay, well now I love it. So, mm-hmm. uh huh. Well, uh, dang, I had to keep it. Ira kept it. Ira kept the whole thing. I have a thing. lot of thoughts about letterbox. Okay. Good. Well, then I, I I share every single sentiment that you just that you just put out. I really do. And on top of that. So yes, he's explained how it works. It's a social media platform where you get to create your watch list and review movies, and it's very integrated with other people, and you can read all the reviews. For every problem that Ira complained about it, it yeah, fuck that app. But also, um, we don't need this app. We really fully don't need this app. I don't, I'm not sure why I'm so mad about it. I think it's because I don't need to see my quirky comedy friends be given another platform to disorient us with like really cheeky opinions for the sake of having cheeky opinions. <laughs> 280 characters was enough, and they already used all of them, and they made threads, and they had all of these tweets, and now I have to watch them feel compelled to be hilarious in reviews of movies they didn't actually fully watch or engage with. Hate that. Hate that. And you can also pay a subscription fee to have your shit upgraded to pro, which really only allows you to say you're a professional in, 
I don't know, having $20 because that's how much it costs. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the upgrade comes with no ads and it bumps your reviews up to be seen first. And Roger Ebert's ghost comes and critiques your furniture <laughs> in the middle of the night. I don't know. But it's it's really a pointless app. It's very time consuming. It should be deleted. We truly do not need it. And you have to get followers on it. It's it's a mess. So um, that being said, follow me at, at Osmanaida, O-S-M-A-N-A-I-D-A. Please. Thank you. I will say <laughs> it, it, it is like disturbing to see people who want to be considered authorities just be able to give themselves the platform to do so. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, now I'm uh, for, for some reason you should listen to me. And I'm not saying we're not on a podcast doing the same thing <laughs> yeah. right now. But to see a bank of tons and tons of reviews um, by people, for instance, that I hate, that is a little bit disturbing. But by the way, if we're going to talk about numerical reviews. I have a very specific Jones that I'm sure I've brought up on this podcast where if you bring up a movie ranking things <laughs> if you if you bring up a movie like a famous movie I can usually tell you how many stars Leonard Malton has given it cuz I used to read his books growing up and it stuck with me in a really Rubik's Cube like way. So like Braveheart three and a half stars, you know, uh, yeah. English patient three and a half stars. Yeah. Never been kissed. Never been kissed is a three star movie. Mm. I'd be interested to find out what's wrong with you clinically, Lewis. You know what I mean? Me too. Just like, I, you know, like is it a memory thing? The suspense used to be killing me and now it's just slowly <laughs> eroding me. Yeah. You're definitely on levels of genius, so we gotta figure out how. Oh how. that's nice of you. My thoughts about Letterbox too are also the same as they are for Goodreads. I, I, I I'm sorry, uh. I'm an anti Goodreads person. I kept trying to join it, too, to give people, you know, book recommendations because Lord knows the one thing people love on the Internet is book recommendations, right? But it's the same problem as Letterboxd. I'm like, well, I've read this book, and I want to add in more things. And I just think the space is too small, too, because I'm not going to come up with a review of a book or movie that you're that is going to be useful in like three sentences, right? Which basically is what Twitter is. You know, you come <laughs> up with the one satisfying joke or whatever. That's very fair. Anyway, my keep it this week, uh, <laughs> twofold. One, keep it to uh, entertainment media for playing down the greatest entertainment story of the week, which is that who joined Dancing with the Stars? That would be Ira. Do you know who it is? Chriselle from Selling Sunset. No, not oh, though that's true. Um, and also Jesse Metcalf and uh, several other notables. But I am talking about the great Anne Heche. Yes. Anne Heche, <laughs> the, who is most known, I guess in retrospect, for having dated Ellen for a couple years. But she's in like Cedar Rapids. She was in Volcano and Donnie Brasco and uh, uh, Six Days, Seven Nights. And uh, I Know What You Did Last Summer. She's the last actress to act like a serious 70s star. And by that, I mean, she's the kind of actress who you hire when you need someone to say, what the hell is going on here? (laughs) That's what she does. (laughs) And we're getting her on Dancing with the Stars. And guys, that is going to be frantic. I don't know what the energy is. She was in that movie Cat Fight with Sandra Oh a couple years ago, too. Anyway, I'm really looking forward to that. I'm a huge Anne Heche fan. She has one of the best celebrity memoirs called Call Me Crazy, which is actually very sad if you read it. She invented like a universe that she lives in. Anyway, it's a little haunted, but also keep it to the new trailer for Rebecca, which just came out on Netflix starring uh, Lily James and Army Hammer. You can't put those two people together and expect what? Sparks? Come on, guys. (laughs) Be real. And then secondly, Kristen Scott Thomas playing the famous Mrs. Danvers role from the 1940 Hitchcock version with had Dane Judith Anderson at the time. She's not creepy enough. I'm not creeped up enough by her. There's not enough like um, 
sinister lesbian energy for me, which is what I love about the original. Mm-hmm. So I'm a re- I'm really nervous for that adaptation, and I'm such a fan of the original. So ooh, sinister lesbian energy. Can I co-opt that for a bio? Oh, a- I, you know, you got to get in on this movie. Got this you. movie might be for you. Wonderful. Okay. Thank you. I mean, speaking of lesbians too, there was a. Um, very funny tweet this week from someone that was like, give lesbians electricity challenge. <laughs> oh, regarding... It was basically <laughs> about the social movie. Ammonite, yes. Yes, it's about mm. that and, you know, like, portrait of a lady on fire. It's like all these lesbian movies set pre-electricity where they're just walking around <laughs> castles being cold. Right. <laughs> uh, m- my friend Karen Tonkson calls that genre uh, borid, which is to say boring and torrid. Lesbians really dominate that. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> By the way, we we Ira and I love Portrait of a Lady on Fire. I do not mean to play that movie down, but yeah, no, I think the movie's fantastic. But also, it is becoming a genre of just white women walking around, really nothing happening in a movie, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden there is some um, toward sex that happens. Yeah, it's pale women needing other women and also a lantern. That's what they need. Ammonite, though, is from the director of God's Own Country. So, Slay. That's a very underrated movie. Mm-hmm. So, I think my keep it is to people who haven't seen it. To be gay is just an iron <laughs> deficiency anyway. So, it probably makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> it makes sense that the movies are prior. Thank you, doctor. Prior health. No. Yeah, no yeah. problem. <laughs> I do actually have a real keep it. Um, it is to um, Sarah Huckleberry. Sanders. <laughs> she exists still? We banned that. Come on, cancel culture. Well, Get going. So, it, I'm actually shocked that she wasn't in the cast of Dancing with the Stars. Right. Oh, coming soon. To be honest. Cause, cause <laughs> now was, you've spoken Because well, wasn't her father... Mike, he, was he? I, 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 I know, know Mitt Romney was. I don't think he was either. It's uh, uh, Who was the guy the from Republican? Uh, Rick Perry, yes. Oh. Why, why did I think Mitt Romney was on Dancing with the Stars? <laughs> well, they, they sort of rhyme. <laughs> Evil occasionally rhymes. Was Megan McCain? No. Sarah Palin's daughter. Bristol Palin, yes, mm. who got third to uh, Jennifer Gray and Kyle Massey. That is information I shouldn't know. Sorry mm. about that. Look at me revealing <laughs> myself as not an avid Dancing with the Stars fan. Sean Spicer. Uh, Sean Spicer, yes. And they watched the new season because Tyra is a host now, and you know that is going to be off. The wall barkers. Yeah, it's going to be dramatic and mean, and I'm excited. <laughs> I may tune in for that, but as you know, I'm a Bergeron Berger stand, mm. so I will be. I might have some <laughs> protest signs going on in that audience. <laughs> <laughs> but my keep it is to her because, first of all, we all know that like this book is coming out finally, I guess. Please don't read it. I don't need to hear like clips of it. I don't need to see like stories being aggregated from it. Like that dumb story about how like they were visiting Kim Jong and um, got like a little wink. And then there was all like, it became a news story of like Trump was like, take one for the team, you know? And like, I, we all knew that was a dumb joke anyway. And so it was being spun into the story. And then of course you have people arguing about it. And then she's in the news again. And it's like, promo for a fucking book so mm-hmm. go away and also that whole um story about trump disrespecting the troops right um and disrespecting mccain which we have evidence of him doing multiple times yeah more uh, than once, disrespect, guys. disrespecting yeah. both uh and then there she has this video she comes out she's like i know it's not true i was there and it's like how many times has this woman lied to america 
on a daily basis, we're still putting up with it. Right. No. Uh, imagine going to her and thinking, oh, this will clarify everything. Yeah. The minute she confirmed it didn't happen, you kind of know it did. (laughs) See? Yeah. I don't want a tell-all book from her. I want a video of her peeling back her skin to reveal that she's not an android. That's the only thing I've ever asked (laughs) about this woman at all. She's so animatronic and and off. And I I don't – she can write? She can write words? She has one facial expression, which would be fine if she were on – Degrassi, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, she has like a kind of one eyebrow contempt thing, mm-hmm. which I usually associate with the acting style of Zero Mostel. Please check out Fiddler <laughs> on the Road and the producers. Well, that's our show. Thank you to June Diane for joining us, and keep keeping it out there, guys. Keep keeping on in these uncertain times and these uncapped times. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see you next week. Keep It is a production of Crooked Media. Caroline Reston is our producer. Our editor is Bill Lance, and Kyle Seglin is our sound engineer. Our digital team is Nadine Moconian and Milo Kent. Thank you to Brian Sebel for production support every week. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.